to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Lashandra Irvin. Lashandra is a student in our Executive MBA class of 2023, and she is also a student leader. Lashandra is one of the students really helping spearhead diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations in our Executive MBA program as part of the D&I Committee. We talk with Lashandra about her background, what led her to Darden, what she's gotten out of the program thus far, what the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee has been up to over the past year, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with LaShondra Irvin. LaShondra, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brett. It's great to be here talking with you today. Great to be talking with you. First of all, I think it's a, I think it's a special day in your life. Yes, it is. It is a special day. Today is my birthday, and I'm very excited to have this time with you and talk about Darden. Darden has been an inflection point um, for me as I look at where I want to go forward. So I think this is a great way to celebrate. I'm thinking about all the episodes we've done. You know, we're north of 380, 390 or so episodes at this point. I don't think we've ever interviewed anyone on the occasion of their birthday. So happy birthday from the <laughs> Darden Admissions Podcast to you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, first of all, how are you doing? How are things going? Everything is going quite well. Um, it's been busy, busy, busy. We're in quarter six right now. So learning a little bit about financial management, operations and ethics, and um, just getting started with an on-grounds weekend. Um, so it's been quite busy and things are going well on the home front as well. Yeah, it is. Um, what a time to be an executive MBA student. Y'all are on the downhill side, so to speak. This is a 10-quarter program, and you're in quarter six. Uh, at what's known in the program is 6.1, the first weekend residency of quarter six. That Amazing. Is that is correct. And um, I know we're looking forward to getting together tomorrow night to celebrate making it through the halfway point of the program. Gosh, I felt like it was just a midpoint celebration. So this is the second midpoint celebration? <laughs> Maybe it's an informal midpoint celebration. <laughs> you know what? I why not celebrate twice? It's, yes. it's, a, it's a wonderful occasion. So excited for you and your classmates. And I do just want to take a moment to recognize like the fact that we had a, you know, halfway there midpoint yes. celebration back in June, and you were one of the students who was recognized as an award winner there um, for your student uh, leadership and contribution into the cohort. Uh, congratulations, LaShondra. Thank you so much, Brett, for that. That was a complete surprise. Um, I am still smiling and excited about that. Um, it's been a great journey here at Darden, and it's been a great opportunity for, for me to share my story about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and doing some work there, and having my cohort just lean in and share their stories, too, so that we make um, how we look at diversity and inclusion and belonging um, how we lean into those conversations as leaders in the companies where we work. Yeah, well, we are going to get into all of that and some of the things that your cohort has been up to uh, around those topics and the conversations that you've been having. Before we get there, let's talk a little bit more about you. So tell us, uh, who are you? Uh, what's your background and, and what do you do currently? Yeah, that's such a big question. Um, who am I? I am a lifelong learner, Brett. I love to learn about new things, um, people. I love to have new experiences. I'm very passionate about making personal connections with 
with people and understanding their stories and hearing their perspectives and, and getting their why um, of what's important to them. Um, I have, I'm married to my college sweetheart. His name is Courtney. Um, we have two sweet, intelligent, and independent girls, Madison Grace and Reagan Nicole, um, one of which is currently um, a little bit under the weather right now. So our house is a little bit mad taking care of her, um, but it's fun. Um, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I graduated from Ramsey High School, which is quite special to me. Um, and my undergraduate degree is from the University of Alabama. So I must stop here and say, roll tide. <laughs> um, and also I'm a first generation college student. Um, so I wanted to add that as well. My background, I am a risk manager um, as my profession. I have been in the risk management um, area my entire career. I've worked in retail, um, insurance, and financial services. Um, I'm currently leading a team of compliance professionals as we look at anti-money laundering and Bank Secrecy Act controls um, for the company where I am. And I love this particular role because one, um, it's new to me, so I'm getting to learn why all of these regulations are important and how we help to protect our customers, our company, but more importantly, our community. And I'm learning from a great set of professionals who are AML SMEs, and they're teaching me the ropes while I help to protect um, our company and make sure that our controls are designed and operating the way that they should be. So a question about you know, where you are in your career. Um, how did you get into risk management work? Uh, is that something that just sort of organically happened? Is it where you, is, did you always know that you wanted to, to do this kind of work? <laughs> so that is such a good question, Brett, because the answer is yes. I have always, always been a rule follower. I have always been a rule enforcer. I mean, from <laughs> dealing with my brothers growing up. Um, and I always wondered, how do companies work? And how do they know what all of their processes should be and that they're running correctly, even when the right person, even when the right, even when the captain isn't there um, uh, to man the ship? So that's always been very innate to me. Like, how does it work? Where are the pitfalls? What are the risks? Are they front of mind? Are we finding ways to protect ourselves or at least think about them and make sure that we're comfortable with that risk that we're taking if there's a particular trade-off? Um, so while I was at the University of Alabama, um, the great company of Walmart was interviewing um, and they offered me a job. And so I worked with them in their internal audit department and it was a phenomenal job. I had an opportunity to tour the United States um, with this company and eventually ended up here in Virginia. All right. So when did the idea of an MBA kind of hit you? And this is, you know, the, you mentioned being a lifelong learner, but when did you decide this is the step that you wanted to take with your education? Brett, it has been such a journey. And I want to share this for anyone who's listening, who may be thinking, is this the right step for me? Or I've been thinking about it for five or perhaps 10 years, and now I'm finally going to do it. Um, I considered my MBA um, 
now it was probably about 12 years ago. Other people in their career um, were, were deciding to go back to MBA school, um, to go to school to get their MBA, excuse me. And um, it was it was new to me. Like the idea of doing that was very new to me. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm a first generation college student. So for me, the success was completing undergraduate and getting a degree and getting a wonderful job and getting the tour of the United States. Like the idea of um, taking more steps um, hadn't really occurred to me, right? I was enjoying what I was doing. Um, so I was watching other people um, apply to schools and be, um, be accepted. And then I was just paying attention to their journeys and how they were um, accelerating up and what they wanted to do. Um, and a little thing called life got in the way. I um, started at my current company, Capital One, and was really enjoying that and was finding a lot of success there. And then I started to watch people who were moving up um, either very quickly in the organization or had a lot of um, authority and influence in the organization. And I wanted to know how they were doing that. What made their experience so different from mine? And I just started talking to people again, making those one-on-one -on -one personal connections. And I started talking to them about um, their experience, their educational background. How are they using that to um, drive business results and make a difference in the work that they do every day? Um, and most, if not all of those individuals had an MBA. All right. So I live in Richmond. Uh, you work for Capital One. Mm -hmm, um, yes. And so maybe have some ideas as to how uh, Darden ended up on your radar, but once you start to learn a little bit more, talk to these people and MBA, okay, this is a process to kind of get to this point. What led you to Darden specifically? Yeah, I will say, um, and a lot of people have probably heard of this, it's the cachet of Darden, right? It is the success um, of the Darden alumni that were around me. Those that were at my current company and those were at my former company and just in my um in, in my sphere um, of everyday life, um, Darden has such a great name and the alumni had so many positive things to share about their experience, about the um, their cohort, who they went through the classes with. Um, Darden was just top of my list for me. So I started to explore a little bit more about the program. Um, what appealed to me the most is the location. Quite honestly, I have two children and a spouse and you know, I'm in my career. So I knew that I needed to have um, a school that was very close to me. The design of the program, like the hybrid in-person and virtual. So it gave me the opportunity to still take those classes while at home and once a month, be able to meet with my cohort and make these personal relationships and connections and learn about their experiences. Um, that's what led me to Darden as well. And then there was this admissions team. There was this guy on the admissions team. His name was Brett. <laughs> he, um, we talked a lot, Brett. You and I had several conversations and you introduced me to a few people on the staff um, with a few professors. I think I connected with um, some people in the Black Executive MBA program just to make sure that Darden would be the right place for me and the investment of my time, my family's time, um, and our efforts and our sacrifices would be in the right place if we went with Darden. I appreciate all the conversations that we've had and all the research that you did. One of the things that I hope our listeners are picking up 
from your story is that for many of our current students, this decision was the product not only of a lot of research and self-reflection, but also probably across a number of years. It's not uncommon for us to meet prospective students who say, you know, I've thought about this and thought about this and I've gotten you know, close to taking the step and then backed away and got close again and then backed away. It could be five years, could be 10 years for some folks. For other folks, maybe the timeline's a little bit quicker, but there's still a lot of thought, a lot of research, because typically for most people, when you're thinking about a program like the Executive MBA program here at Darden, you have many stakeholders in your life. You have a lot of people to think about. You have folks at home, you have folks at work. You're just trying to make sure you can make all these things coexist while you do the program. That's it. That is it, Brett. Um, I did spend many years considering this. And when I finally decided to take the plunge, it was like all of the stars aligned. I was working with a wonderful leadership team at my company. Um, I just have to take a moment to shout her out, Kathy Kaufman, um, who really supported me um, through this journey and helping me to understand the why, um, but also that I would be supported um, not just by her, but from the entire company at Capital One. Um, and then it was also with my spouse. We have two young children, seven and two years old, and understanding where he was in his career currently and what he would be taking on um, while I'm away. And we just happened to be um, we happen to be blessed with my in-laws moving here to Richmond to help us out. So they're also invested in the journey. So our in-laws or my in-laws come and take care of our children on Tuesday and Thursdays when I have class um, so that all of the weight isn't on my spouse, um, which has been phenomenal. It's been a great help. Um, and also like my current management team, they know that I'm going to be out every other Friday. They know that I can't put in too many extra hours with work um, because we, I have this other work that I'm doing here at Darden and I can bring those learnings back to the workplace. Yeah, I appreciate your mentioning all these different people who are helping to support you through the program. I think those are important conversations for prospective students to start early, uh, to have them often, even after you begin the program. You want to keep checking back in, saying thank you, um, making sure people know that you you feel real gratitude for the support that they're providing. And, you know, I think a lot of people do think about that home conversation, but it is also worth acknowledging, you know, at work, your manager, your supervisor, their support is really important because when you are away, those once a month weekend residencies, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday classes will start really kind of, well, let's say activities really begin around 11, 1130. You're pretty much out of pocket. You know, you are in class, you're hopefully just fully focused on school. So someone else is going to have to pick up some of that work, right? If they're meetings, if they're deliverables, things that are happening that day, that's an opportunity for someone else. But that's a really important conversation for you to have with your manager as you think about the program. It is, Brett, spot on. It's very important to have those conversations up front about what the need is. And as you said, the periodic check-ins on how things are going. Do we need to make adjustments? At one point, my husband and I considered, hey, do we need to pause and maybe find someone to help us out in the evening so that he has um, more time to himself? He, he actually just started working at um, Capital One back in November, and it's been quite an adjustment for our entire family. Um, so that's when we had to do the check-in to see if we needed something else, um, some more, some additional help. Well, I also appreciate that point because I think for often, oftentimes when we talk with prospective students, they're trying to get their life 
lined up just so, so everything is kind of like buttoned up and okay, I've got this window and everything makes sense. And what we try to say is like, that's great. And you should also know that life will continue to happen while you're in the program. You'd be new opportunities, maybe for your spouse, your partner, life happens, work happens, and you will have to just sort of continue to work through these things over the 21 months of the executive MBA program. People's lives do not remain static. Yeah. So it's always fun fun to be at homeroom and hear all the great announcements. Uh, we're, we're having a baby. We just bought a new home. I got a new job, all that kind of stuff. And you know, Brett, I think that point is so important because that's what this whole program, aside from the academic piece, that's what this whole program is about, teaching us how to be executive leaders, right? And we're not going to like, as we make our business decisions or as we relate um, to the people that we're working with or the teams that we lead, we're not going to have, we're, we're not going to have a magic button where we can hit pause and make sure everything is lined up and then make the business decision. Everything around us is going to be continually changing um, with the people that we're working with. They're going to have a dynamic that's going on with them. We need to understand what's going on with them and the business environment that we're working in, like the frontier um, that we talk about um, in our strategy class, that's always going to change. So I think the beauty of this program is helping us to build that muscle of being able to make quick, well-informed decisions while things are fluid, yet understanding the consequences and impact to yourself and all of those around you and being able to communicate that out. So it's, it's a very um, important point to make. So Lashandra, you come to the program you're back in school, which is always something of a startup experience for students. It's probably been a few years since they were last in the <laughs> educational environment. And so you're using these muscles again. You're getting back in the habit of having homework in class and exams. So tell us, you take, I know it's hard perhaps to cast your mind back to, you know, quarter one, quarter two, when you were a brand new executive MBA student. Uh, but what was that adjustment process like for you? Um, so I will say it has been a few years since I've been in school. And um, in the beginning, the adjustment process was extremely hard. <laughs> um, and that's simply because I just didn't have that muscle at all. Right. I, you know, I had to become very disciplined about the time I set aside to review my cases, the time that I made for my learning team um, to meet with them. And so what I did was I became extremely organized. I had already heard that in order to make this program successful, you needed to have your learning team. Um, and I have a phenomenal learning team, learning team 24, um, a lot of top performers in that learning team and a lot of student leaders in in our small group of six. And we have stuck together the entire quarters. We um, are quite organized on who owns which case, um, what are the expectations around the information that's shared, how we will support each other for those that can't be there. Um, and we've been able to replicate our model and we just brought a new learning team into the fold at Q5. And we now call ourselves learning team um, 40, which is um, two learning teams combined um, to make 40. Um, so I think 
the crux of success lies with your learning team and communication and building a really good relationship with them. Um, because I will simply say it's very difficult to go through this program without having the support of a great team. But that's going to be exactly what it is in whatever you're doing with your new business or with the team that you're leading, right? The success depends on how well the team works together. Um, and so that has been the most beneficial point to me. Um, I think the other thing is developing a relationship with the professors. Um, although it's really hard because we're all very busy. I found it, um, I found it helps if I just make sure that I get to know the professor or make sure that they know me and that they know that I'm invested. And maybe if I'm a little late for class, it's because I'm taking care of my child and I do want to be there and I'm all, um, I'm all in um, to this, but they know that um, I exist and I know that they know that I exist and they also know that I view this program and their class is important. Um, so those relationships there matter. Well, I appreciate the focus on relationships, right? This is a relationship-oriented program. But I also appreciate your point about the learning team. It's been fun to talk with your classmates here on the podcast. And to a person, uh, they have really talked about the learning teams. Um, and it's not to say that other executive MBA classes don't bring that up, but I feel like the executive MBA class of 2023, it's been a pretty steady drumbeat here on the podcast as we've talked about the first year navigating, being back in school, a lot of conversation around the learning team. And I didn't know LT40 now on yes. the scene. I, I didn't know. I didn't know about that. This is exciting. Shout out to LT40. That's um, LT24 and I believe LT16. Okay. All yes. right. And for our listeners, you may be wondering a little bit about that. And what we always tell folks with the learning teams is that it's a place to start, right? So you may really hit it off with that group of people and that may be the team for you. As you navigate the core curriculum, when we talk about learning teams, we're typically focused on the core curricular experience, which in the executive MBA program is really kind of the first year of the program. But for some students, you may not necessarily find that to be the, the quite right team for you. And you might want to form another team or join another uh, team, whatever the case may be. You don't want to do this on your own. You want to work with a group. And so we give you a team to get started and, you know, you can kind of work from there. But we typically recommend give it a quarter or two see how things are going, and then see if maybe you need to kind of recalibrate. That's uh, that's our general advice. Yeah, that's some great advice, Brett. I will say with, it seems like with LT um, 16 and 24 was two great teams that have come together and combined forces. And it has just made for Q5 and going into Q6 to be even easier. Um, and we're more prepared for the conversation. So shout out to, to LT40. Okay, I'm going to stick with this learning team Absolutely. You know, sort of series uh, here for just another another question or two, because one of our sort of common questions from prospective students is, well, how do the learning teams work together? These are executive MBA students who are busy. They've got a lot going on. Everybody's working. They've got full lives. You know, what does a learning team's like schedule look like? Are you meeting in the evenings? Are you managing you know the work in some other way? So how does well, how did LT24 or how does LT40 
uh, work together. Yeah, we have um, perfected our interactions as we've gone. Um, and we started with meeting uh, Monday and Wednesday. So classes are Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we started with meeting on Monday and Wednesdays to prep for the course um, a day ahead. And that worked out really well. We had to find a time that worked for the entire group. Um, I, two other people on the team are parents as well, so we needed to meet a little bit later, but that worked for everyone. Um, so we meet between eight and nine, and we'll go through the case. Um, we have committed to making sure that we have a 60% understanding of the case, and we stop there. We are not seeking perfection because that's what the classroom experience is about. We're seeking to be prepared for the conversation and learn through the journey in the classroom. We spend just at 20 minutes per case prepping. Um, and this is quite important when you're prepping for your on-ground residencies. For each course, you may have four cases to prepare for. So that still keeps us in this one hour to one hour and 20 minute time frame for prepping for um, a course for on-grounds. Um, what's worked very well for us is we also record our learning team sessions. Um, so even if you cannot participate, you'll still have access to it. Um, but even if you did participate, you may want to go back and go over a point that someone shared and you have that as well. We have a leader and a support function for our learning teams. Um, so for each case, someone is um, assigned to lead and someone is assigned to support the leader. Um, and this is something that we enhanced maybe around Q3. Um, we added that because it helped for more robust conversations to ensure that two people were prepared for the case when we met with our learning team. Um, and it also just helps to share the load. Like if unexpectedly you have to work or something comes up and you can't attend, then we know that we have another person who's prepared to talk through the case. Um, everyone was still required, you know, everyone was still expected, excuse me, not required, but expected to be prepared and lean into the conversations, but we know that everyone has a lot going on and that may not be the case. And um, you do what you can when you can to help out the entire group. Everyone contributes in a way. Um, so we have that lead and support function. And we also made sure um, that we shared our schedule, uh, schedule up front. So all of our learning team meetings are set and they're um, sent out um, through Outlook so everyone knows when we're meeting. Um, and if you can't meet or if it doesn't work for someone, we try to work around that or um, accommodate them in another way. I think what makes us so successful is the communication about the expectations and the communications about when we can't meet the expectations um, and how do we help each other through that. I appreciate your sharing that and bringing us into your team dynamic. I think it's one of those things that's always on people's minds because you know, it's one thing to know you have a team and you have this resource, but then the next question is like, how do you make this work? How do the teams work together? And we always tell students it's highly variable team to team, Talk to two teams, they may work together in some similar ways and actually in some different ways too, just depending upon, you know, who's on the team and, the, and their preferences. But thank you for sharing that, LaShondra. You're welcome. And I'm happy to share any of the resources that we have. We have a calendar, a spreadsheet, um, some folders for each of the courses. So I'm happy to share. So, LaShondra, we started the conversation by talking about a student award that you had received. And the, a lot of that had to do with the impact that you've had as a student leader. And, and so the question that occurs to me, you know, particularly if you think about executive MBA students and how much you have on your plate, it's like, did you come to the executive MBA program knowing that you wanted to be a student leader, that you wanted to have this kind of impact on your on your cohort? 
I did not, Brett. I knew that a lot of people in my company had their MBAs and they were successful. And I just wanted that success. I wanted to figure out how did I move from that wheel of just doing work and being praised for it instead to moving up the ladder. So that was really my focus. It wasn't until I was at LR1, um, which is um, the first leadership residency um, when you start um, the Darden program, I heard people in the different perspectives and I recognized how hard um, the admissions team had worked to really have a diverse group of people here. And I recognized that coming from a marginalized background, I'm an African-American woman from the deep South, um, parents um, or great grandparents were sharecroppers. And um, my, you know, my family was enslaved, like we are descendants of enslaved people. Um, so I've had some experiences that I felt um, either needed to be shared, but then it also helped me to recognize that there were people in the classroom who needed to share their experiences. And then there were people in the classroom that may not have even known about the different experiences that others were having. And so how can we connect all three of those threads so that when we're out in the world making our business decisions, when we're out in the world connecting with um, the teams that we lead or setting the examples, we know um, what the experiences of others are like. We know about the people who we're selling our products and services to, and we understand them a little bit better. And maybe we think a little bit more about who we have on our teams um, so that we can have the best products or the best services. And so I did not come into the program thinking that I would be a leader. I came into the program really focused on trying to learn what it is that I need um, for the um, for the next step in my career. And I think I've realized that I needed both, both that academic training, but also that perspective getting of others. Well, I love that point about understanding other people's perspectives and sharing stories and experiences. There's such a robust platform for that at Darden. And I think the group of students who self-select into this program, you know, we always tell folks on the admissions end, you really wouldn't choose this program if you weren't interested in learning about the other people in the mm -hmm. classroom. And because you're going to get to hear from them all the time. Yes, and, all the time. and that is part of the learning experience here. And so I'm, I am not always aware of everything that has happened in, in within a particular class uh, here, uh, but I, I know I've seen some of the really cool things that your class has been working on. I know uh, there was the the microaggression wall that uh, y'all had up here at Sand Family Grounds, or at least was up for a couple of weekend residencies where students were sharing experiences that they had and how those microaggressions made them feel. I, I feel like there's been some extended time conversations around case discussions that happened uh, where people felt like we didn't have a chance to get into everything we wanted to talk about. Um, are there other things though that I, I don't know about that, that you've been working on that you've been helping lead um, as part of the, these efforts? Thank you so much, Brett, for um, bringing those up. Um, the DEI committee is really committed to augmenting the Darden's um, student leaders experience so that we all start to think about diversity, not as a silo, but diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging as 
the normal part of the conversation where everyone keeps it front of mind with how they go about making the decisions. So we have a couple of initiatives that we're driving and I, I feel that they're making some impact. There's been some very positive feedback from the cohort and it is my um, fervent hope that they will continue um, with the next classes of Darden. So we have a couple of things going on. The diversity, equity and inclusion wall, which we're hoping to make a living um, gallery class over class. This is an opportunity for us to discuss a diversity-related topic. Um, the, the first one we did was the microaggressions wall, where students had an opportunity to submit um, something that was said to them that may be hurtful. And the thing about microaggressions is they're usually stated unconsciously. And so what we want our leaders to be able to do is recognize that you may be saying something unconsciously um, that may have that may have a, a negative impact to the people around you. And so it was an opportunity for us to display things that have been said um, that someone may have experienced, explain why it's hurtful, and share what that person actually heard or experienced. And then we gave resources on how to address um, someone if you've had um, a microaggression against you, or if you're on the sideline and you want to be an ally, um, which is quite powerful, how do you um, share that? How do you help someone know that they may have um, hurt someone else? and share that experience. Um, and so each quarter, we will um, rotate a different DEI topic. Um, so this quarter for Q6, we are currently doing definitions. So definitions specific to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, and we're touching on all topics. We um, It was led by, the content was led by Andy Key, um, and it was designed by Catherine and installed by Lauren. So um, the DEI committee is a committee of 15 um, people, leaders who are um, really driving this work. Um, and so what they had an opportunity to do was find definitions that may be new to us um, or that we don't know about. And, and not just give the definitions, Brett, but explain why that word or that language is important, why it's impactful and why it matters. Um, so that's currently on display now. Um, I'll get a chance to see it tomorrow. I'm, I'm not on grounds today because um, my little one had a surgery, so I'm staying home with her. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, but that's the DEI wall. Um, we also have added case conversations um, for those of for those of you out there who haven't had a chance to go through the case method. Um, it is a phenomenal method, um, but when you give everyone in the classroom an opportunity to speak, you may not be able to get out everything that you need to say, or you may not be able to share an experience that may help others. Um, so the DEI committee came up with case conversations for these. Um, Cases that have a direct DEI intersection, we talk about them more. It's just a free forum. Um, we all get together. The last one we had, which was actually our first one, was standing room only. I was so proud um, of the class and the conversation that we had there. And you just talk about your experience um, and um, what occurred and how you can either help someone or share a resource. From that, there's been a strong um, request from the class for us to make 
um, to have more of these conversations and to make the work that we do um, virtually available. And so, um, so to bring like a virtual or digital component to the work that the DEI committee is doing. And we also want to hear about those stories um, that um, our, our cohort members have. So we have Darden Human Stories as well. And we meet once a month where we have two students from the class share their story, um, tell more about themselves. It's a way um, that we all get to understand each other's experiences and take that out to us as we make our decisions. Um, and that was something that was born from the class of 22 that we that we will continue. So many things happening. Y'all uh, y'all are really having an impact. I, every class puts its own stamp on the program. Uh, but I feel like the Executive MBA class of 2023, y'all are a very busy class. Y'all are doing so much. It's great to see. I'm glad to hear that. I, I do remember um, at the beginning of LR1, someone may have told us that we were a very, very special class and walked us through just how special we are. <laughs> That's true. I think I, I'm aware of that. And uh, yes, um, a historic class in a, in a lot of ways. So yes. um, you're living up living up to that billing. Uh, indeed. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, um, Lashandra, I'm wondering what you're looking forward to. It sounds like you got a lot going on um, and you're obviously doing a lot of great things within the program and some conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. Uh, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, you've got your coursework. You've got all your all the life stuff, all the work stuff happening. I wonder what you're looking forward to, though, as you round into the second year of the program. What are you excited about? I am most excited about the upcoming global residencies that I'm going on. Um, I had an opportunity, I think it was Q3 maybe, to participate in the virtual China residency, which was amazing. I will have to admit, I was a little bit of a skeptic about trying this out virtually, but I was floored with the content and the caliber of people and um, just was really excited. Um, it actually had, it got me thinking about a lot of things that I wanted to achieve and accomplish um, from a personal perspective. So now I'm really looking forward to the global residencies. I um, am signed up for Finland, Estonia. Um, I believe that's in October. Um, I'm on the fence about Australia. I've been there before, but it's happening just before Christmas time, and I'm a little, I'm a little worried about if um, like with with COVID and making sure I'll be able to make it back in time in case anything happens with COVID. And my other one is Morocco. Um, I am very much looking forward to Morocco. Um, so that is that is what I'm looking forward to the most. I am also taking a few electives and the focus area is gonna be data analytics. Um, I'm excited about that because the DA courses have been the most challenging courses for me. They have not come easy. Um, that is not my background at all, being a risk management professional. Um, but I know that if I understand the data better, better understand what the data is telling me, I can help either predict where our risky areas are um, or be able to quickly find some of the pitfalls to protect the company. So I'm very much looking forward to the DA classes, um, I think with Professor Carraway. Excellent. I'm always curious how students pick electives. It sounds like you decided, one, there was a lot of professional benefit uh, for you in taking these classes. But also maybe, too, it's a chance to kind of embrace the challenge, uh, taking some classes that might have been maybe a little bit easier to avoid and kind of sidestep. Oh, the DA classes <laughs> were harder. No, I want to I want to lean into that. I want to I want to do more with that. 
Yeah, you're definitely right. I have um, enjoyed all of the classes related to leading organizations. One, those are the classes that are more people oriented, um, and I have benefited benefited from them. But when I think about um, my competencies and where I can best grow, it's going to be in like the data analysis. And I really want to lean into that and get the most that I can out of the experience. Um, I highly doubt that I will um, be top of the class as I go through those courses, but I do anticipate that that's where I'm going to learn and grow the most and make the biggest impact to my professional career. I appreciate your sharing that. And it aligns with some of the conversations that we've had with other executive MBA students and mm -hmm. also conversations that we've had with residential students on the Experience Garden podcast, where when they talk about picking electives, uh, there's always an acknowledgement. Yes, I could pick the thing that comes easier to me, but really, what would be the point in that? Um, I, I should, I feel like I, I'm here for a reason. I want to grow. I want to transform. And and the challenge uh, is a challenge is necessary for that, right? You got to put your put yourself outside of your comfort zone to grow yeah. in that way. That's it, Brett. That's it exactly. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up that, um, or one of the reasons I'm glad that you brought up that it was my birthday, it's because um, Darden is an inflection point for me. I, I um, am a risk manager as a profession, and I've been doing that for many, many years. And what I recognize is being risk management is kind of like being the referee, right? Or it's paying attention to everything that's coming up on the horizon. Um, and as I've been in these classes with just my phenomenal cohort and the leaders and understanding the work that they're doing, it has really just engaged me or maybe ignited me to say like, I want to be in the front line. I want to start making some of these business decisions and driving where our business goes. And in order to do that, there are some specific skills that I need to have. And data analysis and understanding is definitely one of them. Well, I appreciate everything that you've shared here, Lashandra. We always ask the same last question of our guests here on the Exec MBA podcast. And I wonder if you have a piece of advice, or a word of wisdom, a tip you would like to share with our listeners. Yes. Well, one, I hate to hear that this is our last question, Brett. I could just keep talking to you all day. Um, I do have, I have so many pieces of advice. So I will say first, reach out to me on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect to hear more about my experiences and advice. Um, but I think my number one piece of advice um, would probably be to give yourself grace. Um, this is going to be um, a challenging experience, one that you've signed up for. It should not be easy. Um, so give yourself the grace and understanding that you are changing, you're becoming stronger, and that journey is it's always going to be the easiest journey for you. Um, talk with others about what's going on, what you're experiencing. Um, be a friend to others. Um, be kind to people and um, share. Share what you're experiencing. Share your knowledge um, and help others along through the journey. And I definitely have some very tactical um, advice for people as well, but that is a long and lengthy list that I would be happy to share. All right. They're going to have to find you on LinkedIn for the tactical yes. advice. All right. I like it. It's a little bit of a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. So, um, LaShondra, I hope you have a wonderful weekend residency. It was so nice having this time with you just to talk 
with where you talk about where you are, um, what you got out of the program thus far, the, the conversations that you're really helping spearhead uh, as part of the diversity, equity, inclusion uh, committee uh, here in the executive MBA program. So great to hear all of this. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Brett, for all the work that you did, um, that you do and you continue to do for Darden. I just want to say that um, this experience has been beyond um, what I expected. Um, the program team, the admissions team, the professors, the students have all been a highlight of um, my past year, and I'm looking forward to what we will do together coming up with this, this next year. And that was my interview with Lashandra Irvin, a student in our Executive MBA Class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.